So the big issue for um, meditation, and actually for human beings, is, is the, in general, is the mind states. You know, mind states can drive you crazy. Mind states can uh, lift you up. Mind states can make you feel blissful. Mind states can make you deluded, conceited, noble, <laughs> suicidal. You can kill yourself for a mind for a mind state, and you can uh, run, you know, run a marathon for a mind state. You can sail a yacht around the world for a mind state. You could sit in your room in a state of complete despair for a mind state. Where the mind states, so th- these are the ones that lead us, aren't they? The ones you you can't get away from mind states. Yeah. And they all feel the experiences, this is what I am. Mm. You know, we trapped that sense of what I am, I identify not through choice, but it's just the reflex. So your presence gets adopts adopts the mind state as me. Uh, this is the kind of f- fundamental Wrong habit, wrong habit <laughs> to make how I feel into what I am. You know, we can't say we don't feel things, but there's a translation that occurs where the heart feeling becomes adopted by presence into into this is what I am. And really, you could say, you know, one one way of looking at liberation is is that this is how I feel, but this isn't what I am. You know, that sense you can let the feeling be there, but it's not actually taking you away from the sense of presence and groundedness and spaciousness. And here we are, you know, it's just another thing. So otherwise, there's always that movement into some kind of overwhelm or the edge of overwhelm, which is very frightening. Mm. You know, when you feel like the wave is just breaking over you and you, there's fear, and then the fear just, you know, is, is the fundamental movement that takes you out of presence. It's sort of panic, fear, anxiety, can't cope. Oof. Mm. So this is what, this is the, the reaction we have to learn a, and quell and dismantle this can't cope too much, can't manage it, giving up on ourselves. That's the f- most important thing. Well, it'd be nice not to have unpleasant feelings at all, but <laughs> you know, to have optimized, have more pleasant or agreeable ones. But first of all, let's work on not, you know, that 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 overwhelm reaction that makes one lose presence. So we just spin out. The mind states. The mind states are are composed of or made up of uh, three particular factors and it, it's useful to it sounds a bit clinical but it's useful to in, when you meditate as you meditate to, to understand this because the basic way of of um, coming out of the grip of mind states hinges around the fact that mind states are not one thing but three things and if you can separate it's rather like you take one leg off the tripod, the other two don't stand up anymore. You know, 
so we take one out. The three the three factors are are called feeling, feeling a sense of pleasure or displeasure, and perception, which means the meaning of something, or something feels like, you know, we might say. <laughs> so we often use the word feeling in a blurred way to just cover it, everything that's emotive but perception is not in technically is not feeling it's the it's the meaning what this feels like this feels kind of friendly this feels rather um unfriendly you know this feels threatening so that's that's a perception it's not a feeling feeling is just pleasure or pain mm-hmm. the perception is the interpretation is the meaning of something and that triggers off a feeling doesn't it so if, if something feels like it's uh th- threatening then the feeling is unpleasant i would imagine <laughs> depending on how you are if you like being beaten up <laughs> but uh so the, the 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 feeling is this great sudden charge, this rush of chemicals in the system. The third thing is called the sankara, which is, is um, um, an activation, an activation signal. So rush, hide, freeze, lock, fight, give up, collapse, move. You know, it's this kind of it's the ref- it's the reflex activity, the activation. Yeah. It's called Sankara. Sankara means a number of things, but just use it simply in this sense. It means the the do it bit. Do it uh, uh, and first of all psychologically do something, which could mean um you know, uh, just just tighten up to defend yourself, or it could mean lash out to protect yourself. It could mean hold on to something that's comfortable. It could be you know, deepen into something that's enjoyable, or it could be ignore it and go somewhere else. You know, so this kind of fight, flight, grab, um, snuggle down, faint. These are the kind of j- basic movements that the mind does. Mm-hmm. So these three. So when you get a very painful feeling, then there are certain responses that occur just to defend yourself, toughen up, close down. It could be to run, scramble, or it could be to um, uh, just collapse. <laughs> oh, various things, yeah, these, these kind of rushes, reactions. So what we, when we cultivate, we, you know, this, this activation thing is uh, karma that is when you it's mental karma which is the primary source of karma you know action so there's there's an effect as you, as that react as you react as a some kind of reaction and you follow it you go for that you know then you establish a kind of a pattern and we might get that kind of reaction of of run away, but then something is no, no, just wait a minute. Let's not act upon that. And so you get the kind of karmic impulse, but you can also not act upon it. 
But when you act upon it, then you establish uh, a pattern you know, that becomes a tendency so that your mind then goes down that avenue more often. And so a lot of what we do as practitioners is we feel the feeling, we get the perception, and we feel the reaction, and we just say, wait, stop, this isn't good. Just, you know, maybe let's wait for a while, let's breathe in, breathe out, and release that reaction, and just look again, you know, check out whether that reaction is really suitable or necessary. So this is a kind of one thing we do, isn't it? If you're angry, feel angry and upset, just just hold it. Feel the feeling in the body. Feel the feel the energy in the body. And just just breathe in, breathe out, check it out. Come to a place of coolness and steadiness, and then look again at what triggered that. Triggering was the meaning. He insulted me, you know. Um, she let me down again. They did this. You know. um, the fridge doesn't work. You get angry with the fridge, kick the fridge. Get angry with the car, kick the car. <laughs> People do these things, don't they? Get angry with the computer, hit it. <laughs> you see how utterly, utterly futile and pointless it all is. The thing doesn't care uh, at all. <laughs> when we had a you know gardener it was a kind of frantic gardener he used to in the early days at Chithurst and we were trying to build a pathway you know, and the sun was blazing down and he'd shake his fist at the sun <laughs> <laughs> you know because it was too hot so he'd kind of get angry at the sun and was, you know there's absolutely no point at all Angry the sun, <laughs> but somehow this sense of you know the, the reflex is so strong that you, there's some sense if you act upon it, it gets it's a sense of feeling you've released it. But you haven't actually released it; you've established it. <laughs> so this is always the the thing to to acknowledge that we sometimes feel by acting on these feelings, the pressure's off. It's true. You know, you're suddenly not in that kind of pressurized because you just blew it out. But what you've done, you've established karma. It means that that's going to happen again. You know, it's going to happen again. It's like scratching an itch, you know. Oh, that's better. Oh, it's something's flaring up again. You know. So even though it's, it's, it's uh, kind of difficult not to act upon these strong impulses, you know, there's a wisdom in saying, well, you know, just, just wait. Come, wait till that wave has passed. Look again. And we go back to the perception, you know, of some, what's happened, you know, the perception, the meaning of being invaded, being trashed, being let down, being disappointed, whatever it is. And then, you know, how much do you take in other people's actions? How much is it really, do you have a, a way to not take in other people's actions? Even if they are unpleasant, hostile, do you have a way to not get infected with that? 
Is it possible to live in a world where people are wise, understanding, calm, compassionate? One guess. <laughs> and nothing ever goes wrong, nothing frustrating. Everything works on time, exactly in accordance with your wishes. Um, no, you got it, no. <laughs> Therefore, there's that sense of, oh, this is always happening to me. Why am I, you know, people and things, and uh, just when I wanted to do this, that kind of thing comes up. You know? so that's, that's the meaning. And the meaning is it's getting at me. You know, the universe is set up around me and everything in the universe has got its eye on me, how to wind me up, disappoint me, <laughs> frustrate me. You know, it's got no other plan apart from this. <laughs> I, think, I, I think you're taking your life a little bit too personally, you know. <laughs> but perceptually, that's the, way it's set, that's the way it feels, you know. When that computer breaks down, it's a definitely a personal attack. <laughs> On a on a perceptual feeling, because that's that's what when you, that's what happens. That's where the uh, adopts an experience and translates it into into me. That's what perception does. It's just a function, because it is because um, it's there as a as a built-in function in nature to to mean perception means something outside comes in is taken in. And there, you know, is it taken into into one's presence, and a presence adopts it as something to do with me, because it comes to the chitta, the me sense. So it's something to do with me, and then it's interpreted, and then you get particular perceptions. So that's the basic thing. Everything's happening to me. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not happening, is it? Everything's happening to me. Uh, and then after a while, you think things are aimed at me. You know, <laughs> and it's happening to me because, in one way, that's true. You know, everything you experience is happening to you, isn't it? Otherwise, you wouldn't have been experiencing it. And that's so. But then we recognise it's, it's actually uh, it's just something that's that you're, that you're picking up, that your system is picking up. So there's a sense of just getting recognizing perception, recognizing that moment of something entering as contact impression and something is signified. Oh. And then, you know, that's the level at which it's happening to me, really. It's just that it's, it's, it's entering consciousness. Mm. But the, all of the, the, uh, you know, the constructions of self around that take it all very personally. It's a reflex that does that. And that taking it personally is quite a complex event because it carries with it residual karma, which means the way we interpret is gets established. Mm. The way we interpret gets established. So, um, you know, if we've established or had established in ourselves um, a sense that I am 
you know, lesser, I am weak, or I am stupid, or I'm foolish, or whatever, you know, then there's a tendency when something happens to me to interpret along those lines. So everything's my fault. Yeah. So dependent on how your me sense is established, and it can be established in not just one way, but several ways, you know, it can hit aspects of your personality profile. And suddenly that meaning comes down that personality channel. You know, so say if you, you're someone who has um, anxiety problems, anxiety issues, something comes up and suddenly it hits that particular personality tra- trait and you just get enormous fear and anxiety because it's happening to me. And somewhere in that me, there's an anxiety me, an anxious me is quite well developed. Or uh, there's responsibility me, responsibility me. You can get personal like that. It always takes responsibility for everything. So when something happens, oh, I'm going to do something about that. You get the feeling of this, this is urgent, this is important, I've got to do something about it. Another person sitting next to you goes, Oh, it looks like somebody's got a problem. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that, isn't it? And you're going, oh, I better do something about that. Why is that? You know, both of you heard it, and yet different personality constructions interpret it. So you get the first level of of impression is just happening to me. The second level, which is actually where it really starts getting in. Um, the real business comes as to what the flavor of me is. Um, you know, you get people who are always feel they're right, you know, or people always feel they're wrong. <laughs> you know, people who feel in an would make a decision, so something happens, and you go, well, it could be, but maybe, you know, everything seems uncertain, uh, and, and they can't decisive. Other people who are very impulsive and make spur-of-the-moment decisions always think it's right. Yeah. So you start to notice the, the, you know, the dominant tendencies we have. And this is karma. This is old karma. These are the results of the habits, the activities that we've laid down, that have got laid down, established this kind of perceptual basis. So... You know, if you, uh, it depends on your history, doesn't it? So you may be the, I don't know, sometimes if the eldest child, then you take the responsibility or you feel like you're the loved one. If you're the youngest one, you're kind of struggling to get <laughs> some <laughs> acknowledgement. <laughs> so you have very different different takes on life. Can Something like that. Or if you've been orphaned or uh, brought up in a very threatening situation, your your fear and anxiety and and tendency towards either closing down, shutting down, or bristling with defensiveness is heightened. Mm. And who knows? It's so complex. All you can know is there's a massive hit, and suddenly it's like you're going through the same kind of scenario over and over again. You know, in different characters, but the same play over and over again, doing the same thing over and over again, going to the overwork, over-responsibility, or going into the feeling of inadequacy, or the inability to decide, 
or going into giving yourself away again. Because that's, that's, that's the me sense, does that. So the perception, and then we act upon the perception. So then we deepen the current. And it can, of course, it's not all negative. You know, you get good karma. Your tendency is to be generous and loving. You know? Say something, something you, oh, well, you know, oh, well, uh, if you're, you know, your heart opens in that way. So there's good and there's bad. Um, naturally, it's better to be, have the good stuff running, to have the good reactions, you know, the reactions of generosity, kindness, so on. But, you know, there's also the other, the, that's one stage of story to at least try to accentuate those qualities that are the good responses to things, that are clearer, that are more, give you better feeling in the end. The final story is to not be attached to good or bad. So you don't get the knee-jerk reaction, you just, let's see. Mm. You know, you keep, you don't have, you, you, your patterns are not, you've begun to come out of the fixity of patterns. Mm. So then you're f free to actually consider wisely. So feeling, perception, and activities, ankaras. And um, the feeling is the general overall flush of pleasure, displeasure. It's subtle or it's gross. It can be just kind of bored, uh, sort of slight, mildly disagreeable sense. Can be mildly pleasant. It could be acute, stabbingly unpleasant, or could just be chronically low-degree misery. <laughs> just kind of rather pessimistic and fed up, uh, feeling bored, fed neg slightly negative. You know, uh, or it could be uh, you know acutely unpleasant at times, or mildly pleasant. Kind of feeling pretty easygoing, calm, okay. Posit, you know, vital, mildly positive, you know, waves of great, you know, surging joy and happiness. Mm. But then when we, we meditate, you're actually looking or aiming towards something where the feeling is perhaps more neutral. So it's not so, not such a strong charge, not such a strong push stronger feeling would tend to swamp the system you know, even even strong happy feeling so as you know as you know meditation is Buddhist meditation is generally not ecstatic in its uh, uh <laughs> we don't kind of dance and sing and throw flowers at each other and miss <laughs> <laughs> out So maybe that might not, you know, it might be not a bad idea. <laughs> Occasionally, just to, just to get out of the habit. <laughs> so sometimes it can seem, you know, slightly depressing even, sitting here. 
because it's not not very not stimulating you're not getting a lot of positive input so just the withdrawal of positive you know input of kind of happy things interesting things joyful things fun things just the the removing that can see sort of slump you know <laughs> you emotionally slump a little bit the feeling isn't that then there's a the bodily feeling oh, oh, oh my legs my knees my back my head my shoulders <coughs> my arms my fingers my tongue everything hurts you know <laughs> <laughs> so the aim really is to try to get to feel physically you know comfortable enough comfortable enough standing sitting walking and keeping within that and then focusing on the areas that are more comfortable. So with, uh, you know, there's always, any feeling becomes global if you focus on it. Mm. But actually there are, there are quite a considerable potentials of feeling you know, in the body. So you might have some unpleasant feeling in your legs, but your ears, your ears are really quite peaceful, quite happy. Well, okay, no, nobody's ever, all these years in retreats, nobody's ever had problems with their ears. Um, so you say, well, just leave your legs alone and focus on the feelings in your ears. Or <laughs> a place where it isn't painful. Yeah. Or even breathing in and breathing out, <laughs> which is a kind of flowing, mildly pleasant, because it flows and it's got a swelling and, and calming effect. So... Actually, it was chosen. The Buddha recommended it as being something that's mild, as a light pleasure, pleasure to it. It's not that stimulating. So then, if you focus on that, it can be the case. There can be that that becomes more global. You know, you just keep going back to that, dropping into that, relaxing into that. So the general overall felt tone is is gentle, gently pleasant. That, that's the optimum you know, or you know we find a way of sitting or walking or standing to at least try to come round to support the, as comfortable a feeling as possible and then the rest of it you do with your mind really to keep focusing on that and also releasing areas of stress and tension mm. What can occur in retreat is sometimes because of these physical issues, you can feel stuck with it. So the interpretation is rather like imprisonment. The meaning is stuck here for another hour, stuck here for another five days, oh my God, you know, imprisoned in a concentration camp. Uh, And then got to do this, got to do that, got to sit still, you know, and uh, no, I don't think we ever said, we ever said that. You know, you, the, is the, is it really true? So when we come to the imprisonment perception, you start to check check the perception. Is it true that has anybody said you've got to sit here absolutely still and not move? No. <laughs> Just because somebody else is doing that, does that mean you have to do it? Or is it just, you know, something that would be uh, optimal if if that's comfortable for you? Mm. So we start to just check some of the perceptions that arise. 
um, in, in a group there's always a kind of s- certain social pressure perception got to do as good or the same as everybody else and yeah there, there is a certain sense of this is what we're doing but it, it's not it's the intensity that we can make out of these things yeah. is adding a little bit one's own karma to that yeah. of course you can have the opposite sense of you know I'm a free agent rebel nonconformist do my own thing you know it's another perception <laughs> so something comes up and says well this is what we're doing and the immediate response is not me <laughs> <laughs> doing my own thing it's unlikely you'd have come on a retreat if that was your that was your tendency but we can get that sense of of uh, um, as we're meditating you know stick with this no matter what that perception meaning and that isn't always the case it's uh, just take a break Check out where you're coming from, what, you've, what you're making out of meditation, what the perception of meditation is for you. You know, so we get these images of still, silent, calm, peaceful, serene, lofty. These are perceptions. They? They're, they're little meanings that we have there for us. You know, because you go to a temple and it's lovely spacious still silent because stones don't feel anything that's why it's <laughs> like that <laughs> bricks don't feel anything they can sit there all day they're really but <laughs> bronze buddha roofers don't feel anything they don't have to move so you think oh, this is lovely wonderful and there's some sense in which you've got to be like that mm, which isn't the case you know the sense is that this touches something that it inspires us. You've got to be careful to that the activation, the activity, doesn't become something that's t- pressing you into being that. You know, maybe that's the way it's going to come over 50, 20 li- years, 10 lifetimes. Maybe that's the way it's going to go. Right now, it's all wriggle, squirm, jibber, twitch. <laughs> know so we, okay let's can we interpret that sense of spaciousness and stillness in another way let's be let's be spacious about this let's not react to it that might be a, a more skillful way of interpreting stillness so we say meditation is about stillness yeah but you know it, it get that meaning but the meaning maybe is to start to not react to the movements that are happening, either by repressing them, following them, you know, worrying about them, making something out of them. So you've got to just challenge the meaning, the perception of meditation. And um, of course, particularly the whole idea of of um, developing something or getting somewhere in meditation, because that hits that particular nerve the me sense that's got to make something and probably isn't good enough at doing it. You know, he's got to work very hard at it. Uh, which uh, is a profound um, kind of attitude and training in in our society. 
isn't it? Generally, the theme is go for it, work hard at it. The person who works hardest, puts in the most hours, really does that, is going to get the best results, work hard at it. Hard work is a good thing. And the hardest working people succeed. Mm. That kind of so you, right. So when you kind of put that into meditation, the hardest working person is going to get to the to, to this quality of peace and ease. <laughs> and well, you know, what what does that engage? Mm. Is there a way in which uh, there's some truth in all perceptions of some truth in them? But be careful about what activities they trigger off. Is the way in which you realize that there is work in just holding one's space against those kind of pushes and itches to define or judge or measure yourself as something. Just in holding your space, holding your openness, that takes work because everything in me wants to clamp down on some judgment or assessment of where I am and how I'm going to be, and how good I am, and whether I'm living up to it. Yeah. That's a very easy reaction for me to get into. That doesn't take any work at all. <laughs> it takes work to say, okay, just, just be here, open space, letting everything go, you know, not getting anywhere. That takes work. It's working against the compulsive activations. And then you know, and then you, s- then you. Of course, it's up to all of us to s- witness the results. I can't. I don't know what your compulsions are, but after a while, you you know what they are. And then your work is to start to dislodge those perceptions of yourself as being this or that, the perceptions of what you should do, could do, can't do, never will do, always have done, always will be, never will be, those kinds of things. Yeah is to just just start to trip those. Mm. This is, uh, so you see, you, you can either look at, challenge the perception, the interpretation we have of who we are, of what we're doing. We can check and challenge the activities, you know, the compulsive activities, the, the reflexes, uh, that that get us going, we can challenge those. So you start to start to take look at look at these these mindsets, and break them up. Hmm? Yeah. Take one, break one aspect of it off, and look at it, question it. Yeah. Because uh, it's the. When we're coming out of karma, out of habit, you have to come out of perceptions and activities. These are karmically bound up. So, what this means really is that the, you know, the interesting thing is that the the highest the highest again is a perception <laughs> but you know the Buddha said you, you've completed y- your work when there's no perception you don't have a perception 
of what you are. You don't have interpretation. You don't have a, uh, an activity. You don't have something that you you're doing that you've got to do. Your mind is just. This is it's called the visankata. Means that my mind has gone. It, it, when it is moment of liberation, this was the it, this was the statement the Buddha said. My mind is completely visankata. It means it's completely broken up. It's completely deactivated. Sounds kind of grim, doesn't it? <laughs> but uh, when you understand what activities are, it doesn't mean the Buddha then just sat there like a turnip for 50 years, <laughs> rotting away. But he had no kind of, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to get out and teach people, I've got to go out and make this work, i better get the Sangha going and sort them all out for the next 50 years, and my goodness, this is a big job, and, you know, kind of workaholic. Um, and I don't know if I can manage this, and people are so difficult after all, why, you know, it's just, you know, get up, start walking. <laughs> see what happens see if there's someone who wants to hear you know. but no compulsion compassion but not compulsion quite a lot of difference in two or three letters isn't there but learn the difference you know, really study the difference because it's that activities, sankara's always got this kind of push they, they well up, they rush you yeah. the true compassion is a much more measured you know, something you can actually you can sense the mood of it and then your, your actual activity is always what's, is, is wise, what's actually possible here there's that general attitude you might say, the general Mindset, and then there's always possible to help, you know. So that's different. And for ourselves, sometimes the the uh, you know the compassionate thing is to start to understand, get to the roots of what's what's pushing me around. Mm. So it gets very interesting because it's. You know, everyone, there are broad tendencies that I'm sure we all share, you know, because we we come from a similar social background, human beings. Um, but then within that, everyone has slightly different individual takes on it. So you're the only one who really can know that's interesting because then you, you find your own little tricks, your own ways of checking, coming out of your compulsion to feel, to assume you are this or that, or never this or always that. Just start to contemplate that perception, where, where, it, and where it goes to, what it feels like. And we tend to use um, supportive perceptions, the perception of uh, friendliness, the perception of all the time in the world, the perception of Buddha, the compassionate one, the one who's guiding us, 
you know, the perception of um, a safe place, you know, like this situation we're in, you know, the perception, I so say, you kind of keep coming back to that. You're with harmless people, you're in a harmless situation, you're in an open situation, a place of generosity, you know, so you, however kind of narrow and squeezed your mind gets, just kind of start to pick up a positive or skillful perception. The perception of breathing in and breathing out. You know, the recollection of Buddha Dhamma Sangha, something that gives brings in a meaning that is supportive. So that's one thing we do to just to check the the the, the outflows. Mm. And we use activities you know, deliberate, determined activities, the activity to to generate and to and to to um deepen uh soothing, resting, tranquilizing, calming, easing, suffusing the body. Um the the activity to towards patience, towards moment at a time start again, moment at a time start again moment of time start again so you keep using the activity to counteract those kind of doom activities you know like this is the way it's always going to be it's day four there's another three days of this to go oh dear here we're going mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know you get one of those running it's never going to be always will be <laughs> <laughs> those kind of things just watch that one be careful of that one so it's just moment of time. Use that that perception and activity. Just keep coming back to right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Pulling it back, pulling it back. Getting really tangible. Coming out of the the psychological spin of karma into something that's tactile, present, like the pressure of the ground beneath your feet. You know, something like that. Here we are. And let the rest of it flow through. This is a way in which we use perceptions and uh, activities to counteract the the compulsive ones. And then you start you hold them, and you start to inquire into them. How how true is it this statement about myself? How necessary is it this activity that I keep doing? How 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 deep is that habit? Is it possible to just look into that, where it's coming from? Mm. This is inquiry. Mm. And then where where is the end? Where is the release from that? So you get the moments when that isn't happening or the moment when that kind of compulsion comes up when you just, something you just, I've had, had enough of this one. You know, I'm not beating myself up anymore. I've done that. You know. I've done that bit, beating myself up. You know, twenty thousand times is enough. Given up on it, you know. feeling it, you can't make it. So you don't have to feel like you can't make it. You don't have to feel like you can make it, or can't make it. Just <laughs> don't do that. Here we are, you know. So the the need to to establish certainty about what one is or isn't, 
it gets very it's very interesting you see so much of all this is just completely constructed and how much do you really need to 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 construct to get through a day to get to have a moment how much do you how much self do you really need to to breathe in and out So this is the kind of em- emptying of perceptions and interpretations and meditation and progress and dharma and all this. It's coming to it's an emptying. Uh, yeah. And you find if you do that, or in the process of doing that, you find that this sense of calm and steadiness begins to happen by itself. And, uh, you know, you really feel the presence of Dhamma through emptying out all the ideas and interpretations we have of it. So let's have some let those ideas float, go wherever they go and uh, have a good day. (laughs) 